0: So now I will go into the first uh, sutta in the uh, chapter of the ones. Eh? And the number is 1.1. Uh, there are 10 suttas here, but uh, uh, you can group them all as uh, 1.1. Thus have I heard, uh, now I read the sutta, thus have I heard on a certain occasion the exalted one was staying near Savati at Jeta Grove in Anathapindika's Pindika's park. i stop for a moment. Now all the suttas uh, start with these words, thus have I heard. And uh, this is the Buddhist tradition because uh, it was decided at the first Sangha Council uh, that uh, all the suttas uh, will start this way. Eva me sutang, that's the Pali, thus have I heard. Now the exalted one here, uh, it's a translation for the Bhagavad. Bhagavad is the uh, name, one of the ten names eh, of the Buddha. Uh, this, that's why we chose the name of this Vihara as Bhagavad. Vihara Bhagavad eh, after the Buddha. Savati at Jeta Grove in Anathapindika's Park. This this monastery was donated by Anathapindika. Uh, that's why it's called Anathapindika's Park or Anathapindika's Monastery. Now we'll continue the Sutta. Then the Exalted One addressed the monks, saying, Monks, Lord replied these monks to the Exalted One. The Exalted One said, Monks, I know of no other single form by which a man's heart is so enslaved as it is by that of a woman. Monks, a woman's form obsesses a man's heart. Monks, I know of no other single sound by which a man's heart is so enslaved as it is by the voice of a woman. Monks, a woman's voice obsesses a man's heart. And similarly, eh, monks, I know of no other single scent or smell, eh, no other single savour or taste, eh, no other single touch by which a man's heart is so enslaved as it is by that of a woman. And then conversely, eh, the Buddha says, Monks, I know of no other single form by which a woman's heart is so enslaved as it is by that of a man. Monks, um, a man's form uh, obsesses a woman's heart. Monks, I know of no other single sound by which a woman's heart is so enslaved as it is by the voice of a man. Monks, a man's voice obsesses a woman's heart, so similarly for smell, taste, and touch. And that's the end of the sutta. Now, these five, now I'll just explain a bit. Na. These five things are described here. The first one is form, rupa. The second one is sound. Third one is smell or scent. Na. Fourth one is taste. Na. The fifth one is touch. What are these five things? These five things uh, are called the objects of uh, the five senses or the objects of sensual desire. So, of all the objects of sensual desire, uh, nothing can um, attract a person uh, so much uh, as the opposite sex. Now, we all know uh, that uh, the spiritual path... uh, is concerned with uh, giving up, uh, renouncing uh, sensual desires, sensual pleasures. Like. So, that is why, yeah, because uh, the opposite sex uh, is the most attractive uh, of all the sensual uh, objects, uh, objects of the senses, uh, that uh, the opposite sex is the biggest obstruction to the spiritual path, like. And that has been obvious uh, when we look at, uh, for example, the monks disrobing. It is a fact that uh, 9, approximately 9 out of 10 monks who disrobe uh, do so because of a woman. And probably the converse is also true. Uh, probably 9 out of 10 nuns who disrobe also do so because of a man. So that's why, like, in the any religion, the spiritual path, uh, uh, for example, Buddhist religion, Hindu religion, Christian religion, etc., uh, chastity uh, is a uh, pre-, is a, uh, is a essential requirement of the spiritual path uh, to give up uh, the uh, desire for the opposite sex because it is the greatest of all desires. So, in the Another sutta in the Anguttara Nikaya, the Buddha also warned about monks uh, uh, staying together with nuns uh, that uh, if they're not careful, uh, they would either break the precepts or they would disrobe. Uh, so, now in another sutta in the Diga Nikaya, in the Mahaparinibbana Sutta, before the Buddha passed away, Ananda asked the Buddha, he said, Bhagawa. How are we to act towards women? And Then the Buddha said, uh, Don't look at them, Ananda. Then Ananda said, But Bhagawa, suppose uh, we have to look at them. Then the Buddha said, Then don't speak to them, Ananda. Then Ananda said, But Bhagawa, suppose we have to speak to them. Then the Buddha said, Then do so with mindfulness, Ananda. So from there, uh, we can see uh, the Buddha asked his monks uh, to be extremely uh, careful, uh, to be extremely cautious in their uh, dealings with women, etc. And uh, there is a sutta in the Majima Nikaya called the Nivapa Sutta, where the Buddha said uh, it is not practical for a monk to go off into the deep forest and live by himself. So in the Nivapa Sutta, the Buddha said that a monk cannot uh, live by himself in the deep forest away from lay people because he has to depend on lay people for their food. And the Buddha said, uh, so because the monks have to live near lay people, uh, it is very dangerous. The Buddha gave a simile of the uh, deers trying to look for food, and then uh, the hunt, uh, the farmer, uh, because it eats the farmer's crops, then uh, the farmer try, tries to kill them. So uh, the Buddha said uh, the farmer is a simile for Mara, and uh, there is always this danger from Mara, and the Buddha said in the Nivapa Sutta that the only way monks could survive uh, was to meditate and practice Samadhi, uh, because uh, a bit strong samadhi, uh, we have a tranquil mind. Uh, that's the only way uh, we can fight uh, sensual uh, desire. That's why there's a Majima Nikaya Sutta number fourteen, called the Shuladukkha Kanda Sutta, where uh, a desi- uh, cousin of the Buddha, I think Mahanama, came to tell the Buddha or ask the Buddha. He said. Uh, said, Bhagawa, even though I know that greed, hatred and delusion uh, are, are wrong things uh, to indulge in, uh, yet uh, sometimes I, uh, my mind still uh, goes towards uh, greed, hatred and delusion. Uh, become a prey to greed, hatred and delusion. Uh, then he asked the Buddha, why is that? Is that something I have not cultivated? And then the Buddha said, Uh, even though an Aryan disciple has seen clearly as it actually is with proper wisdom how sensual desires provide little gratification, much suffering and much despair, and how great is the danger in them, as long as he still does not attain to delight and pleasure, that is pity and sukha, that are apart from sensual pleasures, apart from unwholesome states, or to something more peaceful than that he may still be attracted to sensual pleasures. So here the Buddha is saying that unless we can attain the delight and pleasure, the pity and sukha, that are not worldly, that comes from a tranquil mind, then we are still a slave to sensual pleasures. So that's the comments I have to make on the first sutta. Now we go into the 1.2, one point two the suttas in one point two here the Buddha says, monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to a cause, to cause the arising of sensual desire, if not already arisen, or if arisen, to cause its development and increase as the feature of beauty or attractiveness eh? in him who pays not thorough attention to the feature of beauty. Sensual desire, if not already arisen, arises, or if already arisen, is liable to develop and increase. Okay, now I'll stop for a moment. Eh? Here, uh, first, eh, these suttas here eh, concern the five hindrances, nivarana. What are these five hindrances? The Buddha says eh, that these five hindrances eh, are five things that cover us eh, so that we do not see the world as it really is. Eh? And it's just like a person uh, who wears dark glasses. When you are covered with dark glasses and you try to see a certain color, uh, you can never see it uh, as it really is. You may be absolutely convinced uh, or you may swear uh, that a particular color is such and such because it appears such and such to you. And yet, uh, when the dark glasses are removed from you, then you'll be surprised to see... uh, that they are quite different from what you thought they were. So, in the same way, unless we get rid of these five hindrances that cover us, eh, we can never see things the way they really are. We only see things the way they seem to be to us. And the first of these five things eh, that cover our uh, wisdom eh, is sensual desire. The second one is ill will or malevolence, eh? Third one is sloth and torpor. Fourth one is restlessness and remorse. The fifth one is doubt. And sometimes it's called doubt and wavering. eh? Ah, These are the five things. eh? So here the the first uh, sutta eh, is saying eh, that uh, sensual desire arises eh, mainly because of the feature of attractiveness eh, or beauty. For example, A man uh, may be attracted to a woman uh, because he thinks that that woman is beautiful uh, or attractive in some way. uh. And similarly, uh, a woman may be attracted to a man because she finds something attractive in his looks. uh. Now, this uh, feature of beauty, of attractiveness, uh, what is it? It is a perception. It is a perception uh, that is formed in our mind. And if we look into some other suttas uh, later, we find that it is one of the things uh, that we associate with the self. There are five things the Buddha calls them the panchakanda, five aggregates uh, that we associate with the self. First one is the body. Uh, The second one is feeling. Third one is perception. Then volition, then consciousness. So the Buddha says in some other sutta that perception uh, is formed from habit. Uh, we, because of the way nature has made uh, uh, beings, uh, we have certain perceptions. But the Buddha said, uh, perceptions can change. For example, if a person, uh, he does not cultivate his mind, uh, he might find the form of the opposite sex very attractive. But somebody who develops his mind, uh, cultivates the 32 parts of the body, the the meditation of the 32 parts of the body, uh, then he begins to see the body as it really is. Uh, not only the external part of the body, but the internal part of the body. Uh, he'll be able to uh, sort of picture a person in terms of blood and bones and flesh and oil and uh, fat and urine and pus, saliva, etc. Then, uh, he might find uh, that the body, uh, a body of any person, uh, is no more attractive. Uh, he might find even a body as being loathsome. So perceptions uh, can be changed. Perceptions are, are something uh, in that, uh, that we form uh, arbitrarily. For example, somebody might find a particular person as very handsome whereas another person, might, another woman might find that person as not handsome. Or similarly, a man might find a woman as beautiful. Some other man might look at the woman and see that it's not beautiful. So it's all in the eyes of the beholder. So the Buddha says, if we pay thorough attention to the feature of beauty, then it does not sort of this sensual desire will not arise. So so quickly, uh, we have to pay... If we understand the Dhamma, then we pay thorough attention or whatever perception we have. Uh, we look into it and see that it's just an opinion only that we have. Uh, and then uh, it does not uh, enslave us so much. Uh. Now after that, another Sutta. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to cause the arising of ill will, if not already arisen, or if arisen, to cause its development and increase as a repulsive feature. In him who pays not thorough attention to the repulsive feature, ill will, if not already arisen, arises. Or if arisen, it is liable to develop and increase. Okay, I'll stop a moment also here to talk about the, this uh, ill will, eh, the Buddha says, eh, is increases eh, because we, there is something repulsive eh, that we don't like and that uh makes our anger in uh develop or increase uh, and but if we pay thorough attention uh, to that repulsiveness that we 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 think is there uh, then uh, this uh, ill will uh, can decrease la. Uh so we can see uh, in both cases, uh, thorough attention or uh, uh, thorough consideration uh, is very important. Uh, and uh, now the third one. Uh, Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to cause the arising of sloth and torpor, etc., as regret, drowsiness, languor, surfeit so after meals, and torpidity of mind. In him who is of torpid mind, sloth and torpor, if not already arisen, arises. And if arisen, is liable to develop and increase. So sloth yeah. and topper eh, is due to regret, drowsiness, uh, eating too much, eh, and torpid mind. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to cause the arising of restlessness and remorse, if not already arisen, or if arisen to cause its development and increase as non-tranquility of mind. In him who is of troubled mind, arises restlessness and remorse, if not already arisen, or if arisen, it is liable to develop and increase. This non-tranquil mind, eh, most of us have it, whereas a tranquil mind eh, is something that we need to develop, we need to uh, train ourselves eh, to attain. So, for most people, uh, restlessness and remorse uh, is something quite natural. For example, if you ask somebody to stay stay alone by himself, uh, uh, he'll find it quite difficult, even to stay in the house, you know, by yourself. Uh, by many people, uh, they look at the four walls. After some time, uh, after they're finished reading the newspaper and watch the TV and all that, they look around the four walls. They think they are going crazy. I uh, have to go out and do something. Uh, Another Sutta. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to cause the arising of doubt and wavering if not already arisen or if arisen to cause its development and increase as untoward attention. In him who gives not thorough attention arises doubt and wavering if not already arisen or if arisen is liable to develop and increase. So here again, uh, systematic, uh, sorry, thorough attention is very important. Uh, proper attention, you can also call it proper attention. This word is yoniso manasikara. Yoniso comes from the word yoni. Yoni means the womb or the source. And uh, manasikara is literally work of mind. So it means attention or consideration or contemplation. So the word yoniso manasikara actually means uh, contemplation or consideration uh, that brings you back to the source of the problem. Uh, So that's why I like to translate it as thorough consideration or thorough attention. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to prevent the arising of sensual desire if not already arisen or if arisen to cause its abandonment as the feature of ugliness. In him who gives thorough attention to the feature of ugliness, sensual desire if not already arisen arises or arises not or if arisen it is abandoned. So here, uh, you see, if you think uh, that uh, you are attracted to a particular person uh, because that person is beautiful or handsome or whatever, then you try to look for the, re- the ugly side of that person. Uh, when you look for the ugly side of the person, then uh, you, the uh, sensual desire can diminish. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to prevent the arising of ill will if not already arisen, or if arisen to cause its abandonment as good will released or radiated by the mind. In him who gives thorough attention to good will or metta released by the mind, ill will if not already arisen arises not, or if arisen it is abandoned. So here, um uh, ill will or anger uh, can be um, reduced uh, by metta. meta meta here is uh be translated as goodwill i can translate it as uh impersonal love uh meta is a good antidote uh, for anger and ill will the word here uh, which I have translated as goodwill released by the mind uh, is Meta Cheto Vimoti. Here actually the book is tr- translated is as the hearts released through amity. I feel uh, it is uh, uh meta released by the mind because uh uh from the other suttas uh, Uh, It would seem uh, that to really practice metta, you have to develop jhana. Without jhana, you think you are irradiating metta, but uh, other beings cannot feel it. Uh, The only way uh, to radiate metta properly uh, is to have very strong jhana. Then uh, you can uh, radiate out that uh, metta. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to prevent the arising of sloth and torpor if not already arisen or if arisen to cause its abandonment as the element of putting forth effort of exertion, of striving. In him who energetically strives, sloth and torpor arises not or if arisen it is abandoned. Uh, So here to fight sloth and torpor, uh, we have to put forth effort, exertion, striving. Uh, um, sloth and topper, uh, uh, a lot of it uh, is due to sleeping too much. Uh, the more we sleep, uh, the more sloth and topper we have. And sleep is one of those things uh, that you can never have enough of. Uh, the more you sleep, uh, the more you want. Uh, monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power. To prevent the arising of restlessness and remorse, if not already arisen, or if arisen, to cause its abandonment as tranquility of mind. In the tranquil-minded, restlessness and remorse arises not, or if arisen, it is abandoned. So, to the antidote for restlessness and remorse is to cultivate tranquility of mind. That means uh, cultivate samatha. Monks, I know not of any other single thing of such power to prevent the arising of doubt and wavering, if not already arisen, or if arisen to cause its abandonment, as thorough attention. In him who gives thorough attention, doubt and wavering arises not, or if ar- or if arisen, it is abandoned. Now, this doubt and wavering, uh, sometimes we listen to certain teachings, uh, or we listen to certain doctrines, uh, or we listen to what somebody says. Uh, we have doubt. But if we contemplate uh, we reflect on what that person says uh, think carefully, uh, and then uh, uh, the doubt will can be resolved uh. so that's why the Buddha says uh, that even uh, when we listen to Dharma, we have to reflect on the Buddha's teachings, think about it, examine it, and test it uh, see whether it's really true or not. Then only after that, if you find that it is true, then only you accept it. Now the other sutta is 1.3. 1.3.1 Monks, I know not of any other single thing so uncontrollable as the uncultivated mind. The uncultivated mind is indeed a thing uncontrollable. 1.3.2. Monks, I know not of any other single thing so controllable as the cultivated mind. The cultivated mind is indeed a controllable thing. I stop here for a while eh, to comment. So if the mind is not cultivated, eh, it is very difficult to control it. In fact, when we practice meditation, eh, especially Samatha meditation, eh, we are exercising control over the mind every moment. Uh, when we the mind tries to run away, we bring it back to one single object. It runs away again because that is a tendency of the mind you know, to run. You always keep on running. And we bring it back to one object. So every moment uh, we are exercising control over the mind. And if we keep on doing that, uh, then uh, when samadhi arises, uh, then we are able to... uh Samadhi uh, is the result of uh, controlling the mind. So when we have samadhi, then the mind is controlled already. And and that's why the Buddha says, uh, uh, there's no other single thing uh, so uh, controllable uh, as the cultivated mind. Now 1.3.3 and 1.3.4. Monks, I know not of any other single thing so conducive to great loss as the uncultivated mind. The uncultivated mind indeed conduces to great loss. Monks, I know not of any other single thing so conducive to great profit as the cultivated mind. The cultivated mind indeed conduces to great profit. I, just, I forgot to mention, when we cultivate the mind, there are two aspects of it. One is uh, cultivation of the mind. Sometimes the word used is bhavana. Bhavana is to develop, to cultivate the mind. Development of the mind or cultivated, uh, cultivation of the mind. One aspect of it, as I mentioned just now, is samatha. To train the mind, to control the mind. The other aspect uh, is vipassana. Vipassana is to use that controlled mind uh, to contemplate and to get wisdom. So, samatha and vipassana are both necessary. Now, if, if our mind is con- is uncultivated, here the Buddha says it conduces to great loss. Why? Because if we have an uncultivated mind, the hindrances are very strong. Sensual desire is very strong. Ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry and doubt. And it's obvious if somebody is troubled by sensual desire, that he'll become very restless, trying to satisfy his sensual desire, a lot of his energy and time, etc. and money, everything is wasted there. Or if he has a lot of ill will, uh, then uh, he won't be successful in whatever he does. uh, If he's a businessman, nobody likes to do business with him. uh, Or whatever he does, uh, anybody with anger, uh, nobody likes. uh, Everybody tries to avoid somebody with anger, uh, etc. And then because your mind is not clear, not cultivated, uh, you might make wrong decisions. Uh, you cannot see things, uh, you can see your problem very clearly and uh, you are like uh, in a daze. So that's why the Buddha says conduce, conduces to great loss. Whereas uh, uh, cultivated mind uh, conduces to great profit. Uh, cultivated mind uh, uh, you is a person uh, with a lot of wisdom. and There's some other sutta uh, where the Buddha says, uh, what is the condition for somebody uh, to have great wisdom, to have a lot of insight? The Buddha said the best condition uh, is a mind that is bright, bright and and clear. A mind that is bright and clear is a mind uh, that has developed uh, the samadhi, the one-pointedness of mind taught by the Buddha because the word is jhana. Jhana literally means uh, incandescence, bright, brightness. So when a person develops uh, the jhanas, uh, the mind becomes uh, bright and that the Buddha says uh, is the best condition for insight. That's why you have a great profit from it. 1.3.9 and 1.3.10 Monks, I know not of any other single thing that brings such suffering as the mind that is uncultivated, not made much of. The mind that is uncultivated, not made much of, indeed brings great suffering. Monks, I know not of any other single thing that brings such joy as the mind that is cultivated, made much of. The mind that is cultivated, made much of, indeed brings great joy. Uh, So you see, uh, somebody uh, who has a lot of suffering, uh, usually you find uh, that person, uh, he has not cultivated his mind. Now suffering, there are two types of suffering. One is mental suffering, one is physical suffering. Mental suffering uh, is uh, mostly man-made. And the Buddha says the difference between an Arya and a Putujana, an ordinary person, is that And Arya has no mental suffering. Uh, He accepts things as they come. Uh, He has no mental suffering. He does not proliferate uh, whatever problems he has. He does not think about them and make them multiply in his mind. And so he has no mental suffering. So if we develop our mind, uh, cultivate our mind, uh, uh, we don't have that kind of suffering, that unnecessary suffering. But there are some types of uh, physical suffering that we cannot run away from. For example getting old, getting sick and dying, that we cannot run away from. But mental suffering, uh, most of it we can avoid if we cultivate our mind.